Attention all you sex fiends, sinners, degenerates, and deviants. If you're looking for a hot new sex toy, now is your chance. Sex toys don't care about what's in between your legs, and that's the sign of a true ally. Go to either B-Vibe or Lawand and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 20% off your entire purchase. That's S-E-X-E-D-W-I-T-H-T-I-M for 20% off anything you buy from their websites. Check the show notes for more details. Once again, that's Sex Ed with Tim for 20% off both B-Vibe and Lawan products. Your next orgasm is on me. Mwah! The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I'm a certified sex educator. I identify as a chaotic homosexual. And if you masturbate in a plane, is that considered hijacking? Um, who knows? <laughs> so uh, this is going to be all about, guess what? The penis, people. Oh, my God. Just as I am a chaotic homosexual, I love penis so much that I got a life-size penis fucking pillow right behind me. Richard, the giant penis, a.k.a. Dick, the official co-host of the Sex Ed with Him podcast. Um, we're going to be talking all about the penis today. And who better to talk about the penis than my guest today, Dr. Justin Human? Dr. Justin, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you? How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So good to have you, Dr. Justin. First of all, let's start. What is it that you do? So, um, so I'm a urologist and a men's health specialist. So, obviously, I do a lot of uro- you know urology, which, as most people know, it's the urinary system. So, we deal with the issues of the urinary system, and then a bigger part of what I do is men's health. So, really, it's in simple terms, it's sexual and reproductive health from a male standpoint. So, guys who have difficulty um, having sex or having children. Okay, sweet, because I have neither of those problems, but I'm pretty sure, (laughs) not to brag, right? Uh, But I'm pretty sure there are people listening to this that may have some of those problems. So I want to get right into like the important parts that people are going to want to know about. So let's start right to the down and dirty, the penis. What are the parts of the penis that we should be concerned about if we want to fuck properly? Well, I mean, the thing is, there the, the penis is, is is pretty resilient, right? So, um, it's one of those, you know, there's there's a lot of things that could potentially go wrong, but you know, we've evolved to this point where you know, even if things bad things happen to the penis, injuries, pain, pain during intercourse, um, overall, you know, things generally work their, themselves out. But in terms of what could cause problems down the road, a big one is obviously erectile dysfunction, um, difficulty to gain it, you know, get a strong erection, and then 
Another more common complaint is difficulty to ejaculate, so ejaculatory dysfunction. That's uh, another big one too. So guys either they, they prematurely ejaculate or they have late ejaculation, which could cause some hardship in relationships. Mm, yeah, it's kind of sad that like uh, how the foundation of a relationship is all standing on this one really hard muscle. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Right? Like, goddamn. Yeah. Ah, God, that's going to be my fear. If I ever lose my erection, just fucking kill me. No, I'm kidding. Please don't. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask, uh, like, the erection. What happens to the penis during an erection? Because, I like, people call it a boner, but I'm pretty sure there's no fucking bones in there. Right? So what exactly is going on down there? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's as strong as bone, but um, it's not, <laughs> it's, there's no bone in there. It's just blood, right? So... Think of think of the penis. Um, so there's two things that have to happen in order to have a super strong erection or a strong erection in general. It's, you have to have blood that not just comes into the penis, but the veins that drain the penis. You have, basically, you have to be able to obstruct those. So as long as there's enough blood coming into the penis, the veins that drain the penis are being constricted, therefore allowing all that blood to stay within the penis, giving you a strong erection. So um, it's pretty. It, it's a pretty uh, unique uh, mechanism if you think about it, the way. We've evolved to this point, but um, it serves. I mean, it serves its purpose. Um, and the beauty of it is, when after you ejaculate, the body is able to relax the amount of blood flow coming into the penis, or decrease the amount of blood flow coming into the penis, therefore allowing for those veins to drain all that blood out. I don't know about you, Doctor Justin, but for me, after my first ejaculation, I am still hard as a rock. I can go for hours <laughs> on end. Am I am I abnormal? Like what? What's well, I, no, I mean. To me? No, no, no. I mean, there's, there's, there's no normal. There, there, most, most people fall into the normal category, right? There's a lot of normal. There's no right or wrong um, in this, in this sense. But yeah, some people had their refractory time. Some people they could stay hard for even after ejaculating. Some people they able to have, you know, have intercourse five minutes after um, uh, ejaculating. Also, so it all depends. But uh, it's all it, the, the, you know, it sounds like you're a healthy guy at least from a sexual standpoint, which is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, thank you. Uh, you heard it here, folks, right from the mouth of the doctor himself. I was an escort for like four years, and I would like fuck people for hours on end for like overnight. And I guess I'm just blessed with a really strong cock. But I, there were times where I was worried that like, am I too hard for too long? Is that a thing? It's a good question. So, so typically, what we say, you know, there, there's a concern when you're too hard for too long. It's called priapism. Right. And typically we say about four hours. So the idea is back to what I was saying in terms of getting blood flow. So when that blood flow stays in the penis, that's great because it gives you a you know strong boner, strong erection. But the tissue of the penis needs oxygen. Where's oxygen come from? It's from fresh blood, right? It's, the blood has to be oxygenated, comes to that tissue, provides that tissue with oxygen, and then it moves on. But when that blood is sitting in that area, all that, that penile tissue, that, that tissue that's giving you that erection, it starts to lose that oxygen and it starts to die off. So typically we say if you're, you know, after four hours, if you still have an erection after four hours, you could compromise or you could, it, it could essentially lead to erectile dysfunction. So yeah. So if you're, if you're experiencing an erection longer than lasting than four hours, I'm, heard, I'm sure you've heard it on all those commercials. You should go to the emergency room to, to get assessed. Oh Jesus. Have you ever had a patient with a priapic erection? Oh, I mean, more than I could count. Yeah. Oh I mean, Jesus. So, yeah, so I'm here. I'm, my practice is in here in Los Angeles, and um, we see a lot. We see a lot, especially at the hospital um, I did my residency at, for sure. I mean, we would see it 
a couple times a month. It's it's uh, I mean it, the, you have to take it down right as as the urologist you have to I mean the expression is taking it down um, and it's um, it's <laughs> well, not goes up, pleasant for the down. patient. It's not it's not pleasant for yeah yeah it's not pleasant for for the patient and it's it's not pleasant for us either. It's a it's a mess. Yeah, what do you do to treat a private erection? So you basically you have to give them you know that that same. Tr- stimulus or that same trigger that the body the body uses in order to to you know decrease blood flow to the penis to allow the venous the veins to drain it we essentially inject like a something that's similar to it so it decreases blood flow to the penis therefore allowing it to drain um so and we have to sometimes it all depends i mean there's been times where guys come in at five hours sometimes there's guys that come in after three days literally i've seen a couple of guys yeah, some guys have come in after like three days. They go on a weekend bender. They've had an erection for three days. Like their erections, the chances of their erections ever working again are so so low. Holy shit! Three days of staying yeah. hard. How do you even take a piss? Holy fuck! Yeah, with difficulty. Yeah, you're gonna like Superman right on top of the toilet, right? Oh fuck! Oh dear God! No, I, I just uh, back. yeah, exactly. I no pun intended, but I have a hard time believing that could happen um (laughs) trust me trust me i know i know yeah so like i'm still trying to understand the mechanism why the blood would have such a difficult time leaving the penis yeah so so yeah so so this is the caveat to all this that i'm saying is no one i mean unless you have so it's very rare to have this naturally right it's because so some people who have sickle cell like they have blood issues where they're um they're, they're stalcemias. These are issues with blood clotting or sickle cell where um, it could cause issues with blood drainage. Um, th- those are the situations where someone organically could potentially have priapism where they haven't taken any Viagra, any Cialis, they haven't done anything to stimulate an erection. Um, they could get, they could got, have priapism episodes, excuse me. But more commonly, especially they're, they're injecting their penises with a an erectogenic agent. Um, that essentially induces an erection. But the problem with these agents are they work so well that you, they have to dose it, right? You have to you know, dose it to yourself. Every Everybody has a tailored dose, if you will. And people don't know how much to take. So they're taking five, you know, three, five, ten times what they're supposed to take. And it leads to, yeah, it's great. It leads to a super strong erection. But then what, what happens afterwards? You get these private priapism episodes that um, cause definitely cause lingering effects. Besides erectile dysfunction down the long road, what are some of the awful things that priapism leaves in its trail? That's the main one, right? Long-term erectile dysfunction. There's short-term erectile dysfunction and long-term um, that they potentially could get from from the priapism episode. Um, that's that's really the main one. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they'll have, um, you know, short-term they'll have like penile bruising, swelling, pain, but that all that all subsides. Oh God! I, I yeah. just fuck <laughs> talking about this. I'm having second thoughts about having a urologist on this episode. Jesus, I'm like really nervous about my own penis health now. So, uh, I, I gotta I gotta be careful about what I put my dick in. I just put my dick inside a massage therapist this weekend. So, um, who knows <laughs> what was inside of him? Uh, but God, that that is. That, that's absolutely terrifying, and I, I don't ever want to do that. Um, but I have heard some people because I have like porn star friends. They've they have a hard time staying hard, and they've 
injected some things into their penis. Is that what you were talking about? Those those like hardening exactly. agents? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, these erectogenic, we call them erectogenic agents. There's different ones. There's three. Sometimes we consider four of them. Um, we usually start with one component. If that doesn't work, we go to two, which is called bimix. If that doesn't work, we go to three, which is called trimix. And all in all, most guys are able to respond to one of these three different regimens. Um, and that there's varying doses. And you know, it's, 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 it sounds worse than it really is, but it's a small in, it's a small needle. Um, and once you get break the taboo of injecting your penis with with this tiny needle that most guys don't even feel, um, once you break that taboo, you're in good, you're, you know, you're in good shape. And the logistics, the logistics of it all, kind of, um, it becomes a lot easier. Dear God, uh, I mean, if you can handle a little prick, I think you can. You're you're going to be fine. Um, yeah, precisely. Jesus. So when you're injecting like this bimix, trimix, uh, these uh, agents. Is that just stimulating blood flow into your penis and like, uh, what does it do? Exactly. So it relaxes, it relaxes the blood vessel it, it, through a cascading effect. Ultimately, it's the relaxing of the arteries, which bl- supply blood to the penis. So it relaxes those blood vessels, allowing more blood flow into the penis. More blood flow into the penis means more blood. And then it squeezes against those veins, allowing more blood to stay in the penis. Are there any horrible side effects that we should know about before we go to a urologist for uh, these agents? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean you, you, typically you, you want to try the other, you know, the oral therapies before you, you jump into these. Viagra, Cialis. Right? So, exactly, exactly. And there's different ways you could dose those. You could start low dose. You work, work up to the higher doses. And you know, we could talk about that too. But there's, there's, you know, there's so many ways in which you will get an erection some way, somehow. I always tell patients, I promise you. It all depends on how aggressive you want to be. We have so many options. Um, but everyone starts with the, you know, the oral therapies and then the injections. For those guys who the oral therapies don't work for, you could go on to the injections. And side effects, the big one is obviously priapism, right? You inject too much. It leads to essentially you know, this you know, potentially worsening erectile dysfunction. The other one, and this is a little bit more subtle, it's a little bit more uh, long-term, is when you chronically, when you keep injecting your penis or that smooth muscle, like the smooth muscle within the, the, the penis, if you keep injecting it with needles, you develop inflammation each time. Even though it's a small needle, you develop a little bit of inflammation. Over time, all that inflammation could lead to scarring. Therefore, that tissue that's supposed to be expansile, it's supposed to continue to expand, like inflate and deflate to give you an erection, it could scar down and it doesn't do the same thing. So um, some guys, they're able to do these injections for 15, 20 years. Some guys, they're, they're only able to do it for you know, 5, 10 years. Um, before they stop working because of that's one of the one of the reasons why because it could lead to intra we call it intracavernosal scarring intracavernosal scarring and that's scarring in the deep tissue like beyond the, of the erectile tissue yeah of the erectile tissue itself oh my god yeah no they're not gonna see my face whoever's listening to this but like holy <laughs> shit i'm like cowering oh god okay um Whew, grounding myself. I'm good. I'm ready to talk more about the dick. Um, okay, so Viagra, uh, Cialis, Trimix, these are some of the things that we can uh, use to have uh, an erection if we're having trouble getting one. Now, I've also heard some implants. Is that a thing to help yeah. get an erection? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually a big component of what I do. We call uh, you know, Penile, penile prosthetic implants. The the gold standard, the main one that we do that we do is the inflatable penile prosthesis, and this is it's something that um, you know I was talking to somebody at a Halloween party about 
Halloween party about this over the weekend. Um, it's been around for decades. It's not a new technology, and it works great. So really, um, the one the one I'm talking about right now, the inflatable penile prosthesis, there's three components to it. There's um, the cylinders that go inside the penis. So everyone's penis has two, uh, basically two um, erectile bodies. So we place cylinders within those, okay? It's all under anesthesia, so you're asleep during all of this. Um, and it's all generally done, depending on who, yeah, depending on who does it, it's all generally done through through a single incision, a very small incision between the penis and the scrotum or slightly above the penis. But you put two cylinders in the, in the erectile bodies of the penis. There's a pump that sits between the testicles in the scrotum. Um, and then there's a reservoir that sits in your lower abdomen. So really, um, it'd be great if I could show this in a video. But anytime you want to have an erection, you just pump that pump in the scrotum. You squeeze that pump in the scrotum, and the fluid from the reservoir transfers to the cylinders. And it gives you, as you can imagine, you're just pumping it up like you did the Reebok shoes in the 90s, right? It gives you that strong. <laughs> it gives you that strong and gives you a strong erection. And the beauty of this is we're not touching the nerves, so the sensation is still the same. The pleasure of anything is enhanced. Your ability to orgasm is probably even better. Everything just feels the same because you have a rock hard erection. No fucking way. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's all from like the touch of a button. A pump. You, a yeah. Pump. It, what, what's what's even more? Yeah. What's even more creative? It is um, one of the companies that does this. They're actually coming out with a Bluetooth version for this. Bluetooth. Probably in the next five years they'll have it out. Yeah. So the pump itself is no longer the pump itself is no longer going to be a player in this. It's going to be all um, it's, it's going to be all Bluetooth activated. So don't lose your oh phone. Yeah, seriously, because like if somebody hacks into my phone, I can get an erection in the fucking public transit because someone wants to just play around with my dick and like I'm flattered, but come on, we're we gotta have some class. Yeah, up here. and down, up um, and down. Yeah, seriously. Holy shit. So that's really cool. And so okay, uh just to recap what I understood. So you got like a pump, you got a reservoir in your lower abdomen, and you got like these two cylinders that go inside of your penis that don't touch the nerves whatsoever, so that you're getting all the sensation. You've got like even a better erection than a natural one. I mean, you, you, no, no, I don't want to say it's a better erection than a natural one, but it's better than what it was before surgery. So this is late stage. This is for guys who are really down the road. You know, they've tried everything before. I mean, some people like after if they if they don't like the injections, they'll try injections once. Like this is not for me. I'll do the the penile prosthesis. But this is towards the this is like the gold standard. This is the end of the road in terms of erectile dysfunction management. Right. Okay. So this is like last resort. Like nobody should have to go to this implants. Work. Yeah. I mean, th this is going to work. You know, this is like, you know, if you're ready for, if you really want it, this is, this is going to do it. The other ones, you know, sometimes they'll work. Sometimes they'll not. They may not be super strong, all this stuff, but this is, this will work. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So I can always contact you if I'm like in my older ages and I'm like, Dr. Justin, yeah. I'm really having trouble getting hard. Uh, I've yeah. worn I mean, down my dick. Super common. Enough. <laughs> I can't tell you how common this surgery is or how often we do it. It's super common. Is it really? How it, common yeah, is it? Yeah, insurance covers it. And insurance covers this. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, insurance covers this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many uh, patients do you see that go in for this kind of uh, surgery? I'll probably do one to two of those surgeries a week. On average. No way. What? Yeah it's, yeah, it's that common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not. I mean, hey, good for them. But I did not know that was that common for people to have these uh these uh sir these erection transplants transplant implant penile yeah, prosthesis yeah. penile, yeah, penile implant, prosthesis implant. wow that is 
yeah. really cool. Good for them. I hope that whoever has them has the best sex of their lives because we all deserve to have a nice rock hard erection, right? Um, amen. So, <laughs> amen. Thank you, Doctor Justin. Woo! You're pro erection. Love it. Um, <laughs> so we're we've talked about the remedies to uh, erectile dysfunction, but I want to backtrack a little bit because I think I feel like we forgot to cover what exactly causes erectile dysfunction. I know there's not just one, there's probably like multiple causes. So in your professional medical opinion, what are some of the leading causes of erectile dysfunction in men? Yeah. So, um, big ones. So, you know, when you, when you think of erectile dysfunction, you always want to say, you always, you know, or one of the things you say is that it's a good sign of overall health. So, if you're having issues with diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, that could be that, that could lead to more than likely will lead to uh, erectile dysfunction, especially if it's chronic. If it's for you know years and years and years, it could decrease blood flow to the penis, causing issues with erections. That's one. Um, the other thing is hormones. You always have to make sure testosterone levels. We do know that low testosterone levels can definitely cause erectile dysfunction, but it's not just t- testosterone levels; it's estrogen levels as well. And there's this fine balance. Every guy needs some estrogen in there system and it's this fine balance between the levels of testosterone and estrogen um, that could uh, lead to good erectile function third thing that you need is you need good nerve function so think of it the connection between the brain and the penis can't be interrupted so if you had any history of brain injuries any spinal cord injuries back injuries pelvic injuries or pelvic surgeries these could really damage some of those nerves that go and induce or stimulate blood flow to the penis and then lastly, and this is something that's much more common in young guys, is psychogenic or psychological uh, factors that go into it. So typically the story is a young guy, you know, he's going out, he gets drunk, and he tries to have intercourse that night. And is unable to because of, you know, for whatever reason, he's unable to because he's too inebriated. And then the next time he tries to have intercourse, he thinks about that. He thinks about that previous time. And in order to have you know, sex in order to have an erection it has to be a stress-free response. You can't have any stress involved in or, you know, anxiety. And then if you do, again, your erections start to go down the next time and it becomes this vicious cycle where, you know, one time leads to two times, which leads to three times, 10, 20, and it becomes this whole thing. And luckily, I mean, there's a good way. I mean, for whatever reason, and there's a lot of patients in my clinic, young guys who actually come in with this and we have a good way of treating it and addressing it and it works very well. So there's good options for that. But so, you know, if you are experiencing that, it's easy. There's a way in which we could address it uh, relatively easily. So, um, yeah. And then porn is a big component of the psychogenic as well. You not know, stimulate. You see so much porn. You're watching porn all day, every day. You see, you see a naked girl sitting in front of you. You're like, oh, whatever. Right, right. So, like, they naked get man, naked woman, whatever it is. Yeah. You, yeah. You I was like, um, sitting. I clearly yeah, made sorry. it very clear, <laughs> Doctor Justin. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, no, I, I, I get, I get that like porn can like desensitize someone's, um, arousal system, right? Like they're so used to seeing a very specific vision or picture of what sex is quote unquote should look like that they forget that sex in real life is going to be ugly. It's going to be fucking messy. Right. So how do you treat a psychological cause for an erectile dysfunction do you just get them to say suck it up stop being a little bitch or like uh, <laughs> yeah <really> no <laughs> yeah you have to be a little bit more you have to be a little bit more gentle a little bit more gentle oh, than that lame, uh, boring. <laughs> um the idea is you know well first of all you have to rule out you have to rule out any of those other causes right like the things i talked about 
if it comes down to just the, it's the psychological thing, there's some, there's something I you know there's there's a way in which medically I I do it. I treat patients medically over the course of a few months, and I'd say probably 99 percent of guys actually do well on this therapy. You just stay on it for about three months and then you come off. That one to two percent who don't. That's when we typically refer them to sex therapists, and sex therapy could really help them, you know, discuss some of their fears, their anxieties, their um, worries associated with getting an erection, associated with intercourse, all those things. And you know, during COVID, I mean, or you know, shortly after things reopened, I'd probably say like a year ago, around this time, a ton of young guys were coming in with psychological or psychogenic erectile dysfunction, a ton of guys. And again, multi a lot of pornography, um, you know, fears and anxieties after, you know, starting to date women and men or women, whatever, you know, going out there, fears, anxieties, having issues with, with erectile function, um, having issues with, you know, getting back out there. For whatever reason, a year ago, it was really, there was a surge of guys. A surge of guys that came into your clinic to get with this, psycho- erectile dysfunction with, with, yeah, from like psychological, like psychogenic erectile dysfunction. Wow, business must have been really good for you then, huh? Thank you, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, hey, listen, COVID. I mean, yeah, there's a there's the good and bad. I guess there's a good and bad. There was some. I mean, we we got shut down. We got shut down for a while. Oh man, all those untreated penises. <sighs> yeah, must be all those guys who be. wanted inflatable penile prostheses during before quarantine. They couldn't get it. Honestly, you. Dr. Justin, you have my dream job. I would love to just look at penises all day long, but <laughs> come on, you I think shadow I just... me. Come shadow me for a day. <laughs> Perfect. Can I intern for just Dr. Justin Newman? Yeah, yeah, uh, you could. Love you it. Could. Honestly, I will make my way to California and just look at penises and just like academically, like, oh, okay, wow. And then I'll just be like, I know how to treat you. You just come book a session with sex and with Tim, and then we'll. <clears throat> um, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to Easy, easy. Stuff. That's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> we'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes. What's up, all you sick fucking perverts? Don't you just love love? The Love Shop has everything you need to feel the love in the air or in between your legs, wherever you want, really. They've got everything from vibrators, lubes, lingerie, and even full-sized sex dolls. <laughs> While I guess love really does come in all shapes and sizes, visit loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and use code sexedwithtim at checkout for 15% off the whole store. And the best part is that they ship all over Canada, US, and what? Ireland? To all my whores in Dublin, top of the morning to ya. <laughs> That's loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and check out code sexedwithtim for 15% off the entire store. Now get to fucking do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy of course you do only my listeners are sexy as fuck i have partnered with fetishwear designer dale kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps harnesses hats and more head over to dalekuda.com that's d-a-l-e-k-u-d-a.com and use code sexedwithtim at checkout or 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me. 25% off. And cherry on top, free shipping. Oh my god. <laughs> I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me. And 
girl. Mm, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train. I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code SEXEDWITHTIM for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> the show is about to begin. Yes. All right, so uh, moving on to other uh, penis problems. I have an ex-boyfriend I do not know why I let him have sex with me, but I'm going to describe to you what his penis looked like. And please feel free to drag me for dating this. But okay, imagine a penis staring at you in the face, and it's supposed to look like this. And then the tip is a vertical line. His penis faced left and then started to invert, and he had a second frenulum. So the frenulum I know is normally like on the underside, but his was like on near the top. So I don't know what was going on there. Can you like tell me what the fuck happened? Was that a you you circumcised? Uh, yes, he was. He was circumcised. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, he probably. It sounds like he had some scarring from the from the circumcision. Like that frenulum up top. It may have been some adhesions. He may have had some adhesions after. Uh, you, you know, sometimes even before the circumcision, sometimes that may have been what it is. But and the curvature you're talking, the curvature was during fl- in a flaccid or erect state. Erect, it like face left. Yeah. It was taking yeah. a detour. Yeah, so some guys, some guys have that. I mean, there's you know, there's physiologic curvature where it's normal, and then there's Peroni's disease, which is um, usually something that that happens later in life, um, either due to trauma or due to genetic factors your penis curves you develop a, a curvature with a plaque with a plaque on the penis that plaque. curvature plaque as in like the thing that builds up in your blood from like meat or smoking yeah yeah think of it like that so think of it like peronis the way to think about peronis is like a piece of duct tape on a balloon when you blow up the balloon that piece of duct tape is not going to blow up so if you if you have a long balloon you put a piece of duct tape on it, it's going to curve in that direction of the, wherever that, that plaque is, it's going to curve in that direction. Holy fuck. Have you had any patients with a really bad case of Peronis? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peroni, I do, I do. I see a lot of patients with Peronis disease. Sometimes, most of the time we're able to treat them through um, injection therapy. What we do is there's a different type of injection where we actually inject directly into the plaque itself and break it up. And then sometimes these guys need surgery. Holy hell, surgery? So like, do you have to basically start from the ground up? No, we remove. We just remove the plaque. With the, you know. Oh, you surgery. remove the plaque. Okay, and then it just yeah. goes normally, like curve starts to curve normally. Then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but like, how do you explain his dick making a full turn, kind of like a NASCAR? Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, that's part of it. Like sometimes <sighs> they corkscrew a little bit too. It's not just a curve. Sometimes it corkscrews. Oh, my God. You know what? I hope he never gets cured because he cheated on me. But, um, mm, God. <laughs> I hope he dies with an ugly dick. Good. Um, wow. Okay. So that kind of gives me an incentive to not eat so much greasy food. Because now I know that's going to, like, really fuck up my, my boners. And, yeah. like... It does, right? So diet really does affect 
our ability to have a good erection, penis health yeah. overall? Definitely. So look, I mean, people ask, like, is there is there a diet I should be on that's good for my penile health? Or is there, what, what can I do in order to make sure I have good erectile function for the rest of my life? And, and the easiest way of saying it is whatever you do that is good for the heart is good for the penis. So, um, like, you know, diet in terms of lean proteins, leafy greens in terms of vegetables, you know, if you, if you have carbohydrates, have complex carbohydrates, minimize any of these fatty, fatty proteins, and then, you know, alcohol, alcohol, cigarette smoking, um, vaping, those types of things could cause long term, if you especially binge drinking and a lot of cigarette smoking cause issues with not just your heart and your blood vessels, but uh, your penis as well. But I can drink like on occasion, like a social drinker, right? But not to like alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, time, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, because drinking is the only way I can like build up the courage to talk to a guy and be like, so I got a big dick. Do you want to ride it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not that like crass, but still, you know what I mean? Like as long yeah, as yeah. it stays within, it stays within, you know, reasonable limits. Like I'm not fucking passed out on the floor. My dick is still good to go for business. That's what I'm talking about. Good, good, good. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right. Now I'm going to raise the quote-unquote big question that I feel like everyone listening to this has on their mind. Does size matter? I guess that's the that's best question asked to whoever you're with. So it, it's, a, it's a very difficult question to answer because it, it, it all depends on your size versus your partner and their I guess, size of their receptacle. It's a very relative question. So yes and no is the best way of saying it. I wish I could, I could <laughs> take a little bit more of a hard stance on that. But it, it really all depends. There's, there's, there's so many variables involved in this that it, it um, there's, uh, there's numerous ways to look at this. There's numerous ways to look at it. All right, fine. But like, you know, people with a penis, they're going to be like, Am I too big? Am I too am I too big? Yeah, right. You're ever gonna ask that. Um, am I too small? Like, what what is our baseline measurement to know that we're within normal range? That we're not like a freak of nature. No one really ever comes in complaining about having penis, their penis being too big. And to be <laughs> honest with you, to be honest with you, no one has actually to this day, no one has come to my office and been like, look. Yeah, actually, I take that back. I think there was one person that came in. They're like, "Look, my penis is too small." And ironically, his penis was huge. Um, <laughs> he had a, yeah, he had a, he had a, a huge misconception. He had a, you know, very you know false sense of what normal is and what abnormal is. Right. Um, yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, is is the penis too small? Um, it, again, it all depends on who you're asking, right? So that's all it depends on is. Uh, what they're used to, their anatomy, their level of pleasure, their the size of their receptacle, if you will. Um, there's there's so much that goes to it. There's so much. Right. So we can't just like you know go crazy with the measuring tape and be like uh, and fixate on that for the rest of our lives, right? Like mm, we can't just be no, no, no. right. So like, what would you say is you know the average? Like, uh, they're going to want to know the numbers, Dr. Human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at the average penis, the average penis is about five, roughly about five and a half inches, right? That's the average length. Um, and then girth. So this is this is in the erect state. Now, there's guys who are growers. There's guys who are showers. There's guys who are, you know, not that small, not that big when they're flaccid, but they're pretty big when they're erect. 
and vice versa. So, um, but yeah, five and a half is 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 on is on average what the um, what, what the average is at least in the United States. Cool, cool, cool. At least in the United States, five and a half. Ooh, they've, they've done really... studies. Yeah, they've done studies looking at different countries. I probably they, they probably did this in like 2014 or 2015, where they they compared you know the average size within different countries. Where and the biggest country the is the biggest country. I think the biggest country was Congo. We're going to Congo. Perfect. We're all going to Congo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot. I forgot how. I forgot what the number was. Don't quote me on it, but I think it was like, I, I don't, maybe maybe it was seven, um, seven Ooh. inches. Uh, I mean, don't quote me on that. But yeah, but some of the you know it's it's relative. That's what that goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's all relative to um, not just you know where you're living, but also your your ethnicity and what you're used to. What exactly dictates the size of the penis like are there any sort of biological factors anything that we're doing to mistreat our penis to make it smaller like what's going on no i mean you are who you are like you know you're dealt a hand you have to just play your hand there's nothing you could (laughs) there's nothing you could have done before puberty there's nothing you could have done after puberty i mean there's so many of these things where they've done this for many years they've stretched it you know decades this is this is life's this is the. I mean, if you could figure out the answer to this question, you know, you could retire now. Um, there's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing that we we know of that you know right now that could actually increase or decrease the length of your penis, at least naturally. You know, there's there's things out there now that you could do. There's surgeries, there's injections, those types of things. Um, there's a great surgery that could add length and girth to your penis over the course of time, but that's a newer thing that that that's happening now. Okay, cool. I like that. So there's really nothing we can do. So we should just stop worrying about the length of our dick. Yeah, you are who you are. You're delta hand. Just play. Yeah, I mean, right. worry about the strength of your erection. Do everything you can to make sure you have a strong erection. And more importantly, not just for yourself. I mean, not just for your partner, but for yourself. In order to have good, as long as you're having a happy sexual quality of life, that's it. Like as long as you're satisfied mm. sexually, that's the key to life. Well, that's the key to a lot of this. It doesn't matter how big or small your penis is. It doesn't matter how you know how girthy it is. As long as you're happy. Right. It's not about the size of the surfboard. It's about how you ride the wave, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. Right. Speaking to a Californian, I know you're probably like by the water all the time. Um, so I, I don't know. Was, I right. No. So, okay. There's nothing we can do about the size of our penis. So we should just be happy with what we got and learn to take care of it. But I know that there's some people that are going to be listening to this and they're still going to feel like their size is inadequate. So they're probably going to want an enlargement procedure. What's your take on it? Are you yay or nay? Are you pro, con? Well, look, so like, like anything else, like anything else in, in medicine, this is no different. It's all about shared decision making. Uh, so in the sense of, listen, you know, that's fine if you, as long as you understand what you have now and you know you give them realistic expectations realistic um a real realistic sense of what things are going to potentially be like after surgery and as long as they understand the risks associated with the surgery that's what it all comes down to so it's you know if you have like a you know if if you have a penis that you envision is this and you're thinking to yourself you know if you you have a narrow a long but skinny penis but you think to yourself you're going to have like a, a soda can a soda can type penis you know, that's not realistic. You know, that's not what's going to happen. So that's the thing. It's all about expectations and managing expectations. I'm pretty sure that, like, there's 
very few the enlargement surgeries that have gone well in the long no, term? You know, the, well, there's a great there's a great surgery that we're doing now. It's called Penuma, P E N U M A. This is you know we've been doing this for a while now. Um, I actually do the surgeries too. It adds it definitely adds girth right immediately after surgery. You're getting girth to the penis, and over the course of time, the weight of this this implant. Um, and the implant essentially sits, sits right underneath the skin, but above the erectile bodies. And over time, it stretches the penis. It adds length to the penis as well. That's a great. That's a great. Uh, it's a great surgery. It's been you know it's been tested. It's been there's been a lot of um, people are getting better and better at doing this. So the complications are you know very low. Um, that's one way. There's injections that people do into the penis, um, like injections underneath the skin, and that could add girth. You know, they've been doing that for a long time. There was issues with the previous versions of that because your body would would dissolve or at least absorb some of those some of that injectable matter, but not all of it. So some guys, their penises will be all clumpy afterwards. But there's oh. word that there's a newer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh like, boy, it comes out looking like yeah, it comes out looking like ricotta cheese. Oh. Um, but now, but now there's this new there's this newer, and I'm not too familiar with it, but I just read about it, but. I think some dermatologists are doing it. They're injecting this newer filler underneath the skin of the penis, and it lasts. It has staying power, so it lasts a long time. Okay, good. I mean, at least there's hope for those who feel that they're inadequate. Now, yes, uh, it's. I don't mean this as a serious question, but I feel like I kind of want to ask: Have you ever had a patient come in for a penis ensmallment? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 and, and I. <laughs> And I highly doubt I ever will. But that's funny. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have taken some pretty big dicks, not to brag and not to toot my own horn. But like, holy shit, this guy was like literally standing on top of the table. He undid his pants and then they just started to thump right there on the table. I was like, that is not going to go inside me. Well, challenge accepted. But, you know, it it was (laughs) huge. So I guess a more serious question is, is there a penis that's too big that is going to be medically concerning? I guess the short answer is no, but it, um, the long answer would be maybe because depending on depending on the size of the receptacle, you could cause some trauma there, right? So whether it's the vagina or the the anus, it could cause some damage if it's you know, if, or not damage in the sense of permanent damage, but it could cause you know, you're pushing against some things that typically aren't used to being pushed. Uh, yeah, that's true. This guy did like call me the next day and said that there was some bruising on the tip of his dick. And I was like, well, it's not my fault that your dick is so huge and uh, go see Dr. Human instead. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no. So, uh, I guess my concern more is like, (laughs) now I sound like I'm bragging. If I had a really big dick, uh, that reaches my knee, should I be concerned about something? You know, you know what I mean? Like it, Am I a freak of nature for having an elephant trunk of a penis? No, no, no. Okay. Great. You're fine. No. no, you, I mean, listen, hey, you're dealt a hand. Play that hand. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yeah, everyone's good. So, yeah, everyone's been given some God given abilities. That's yours. <laughs> and my God given ability is to make you come within 30 seconds because I'm just that. There big. you go. Um, there you go. Speaking of coming, let's talk about the penis and its ability to orgasm i specifically want to ask about is there a normal time for a penis to have an orgasm 
or is there such a thing as or coming too quickly that it's considered a premature ejaculation? Premature ejaculation is not defined by so much as a, a time. It's more so a um, issue of it's defined by your partner wanting you to last longer, right? So essentially leading to sexually dissatisfying intercourse between you and your partner. So one person satisfied, but the other part, partner's not because they're um, because you're you know you're finishing too soon. So um, time wise, you know if someone's lasting, you know thirty seconds, but the partner's satisfied, hey, all right, I wouldn't define that as premature ejaculation. But at the same time, if someone's lasting, you know thirty minutes and their partner's still not satisfied, I wouldn't just, you know um, I wouldn't say that's premature ejaculation either. Um, those are the extremes I'm talking about. So um, that's so really you have to. It, it, it's not so much timing in terms of seconds, but more so it's it's this interplay between both the, the the both partners. I like how you say both partners, whereas I have multiple partners. Thank you very much, Doctor Justin. Um, even better, <laughs> even better, even better. Uh, okay, all so all partners involved, right? So there really is no such thing as a quote unquote premature ejaculation it's really more on just the experience that we have yeah, no, there in is, the bedroom no yeah no let me correct my there is premature ejaculation but it's not defined oh, okay. it's not defined by time it's defined by your partner willing wishing that you could last longer uh okay okay cool 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 got it got it so that makes sense i i really just need to find a partner that is going to be happy with whenever i want to come so <laughs> Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. Uh, what if in the case where we can't come, is there something going on within the brain or like, like, I, okay, I'm hard. I can fuck, but I just can't have an orgasm. Is there something of concern there? That's a good question. So, you know, in orgasm itself, there's a lot of things that go into it. So similar with premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation or anorgasmia, like an inability to orgasm. Some people experience that. There's there's a lot of things that are involved in both these nerves. So one thing is guys will come in with, their, you know, they have poor erections. They don't have great erections. And they also say, hey, listen, I can't orgasm. But if you fix their erections, their orgasms get better. So the idea is like, you know, think of it like, the strings of a guitar if you're you know if you're those strings are loose you're not going to really make a sound but if you make those strings very very tight very taut it's going to easily make a sound same thing with erections and orgasm if your erections are super strong your ability to you know all those nerve fibers that are going towards all those nerve fibers that need to be get friction in order to stimulate an orgasm all of those are going to be tight 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 and then therefore the, the threshold to firing or threshold to having an orgasm is a lot lower so it's a lot easier that's for you know that's for one of the components the other one is there's there's a hormonal basis to this there's something you know there's pro, uh, you, know, is, you know we have to look without getting too technical but there's some hormones in the brains in the brain that we have to look at there's obviously testosterone estrogen we have to look at and depending on what the appropriate diagnosis is once depending on what the workup shows in terms of what's causing this there's different treatment options in order to address both premature ejaculation as well as delayed ejaculation not being able to orgasm oh okay so what goes into the treatment of delayed ejaculation or the lack of like do you just kind of you know uh masturbate a little bit more to like okay i can finally like start to feel something or do you what like make it more sensitive to stimulation 
so what you do is, you know, again, I mean, I wish I could give you the a straightforward answer to this, but it's, it's, uh, it's not easy to stimulate more sensation, but, uh, a lot of times it's, there's a hormonal issue causing this. So by, by decreasing some hormones, increasing other hormones, we're able to balance you hormonally. And by doing that, it leads to better, uh, or easier ability to ejaculate. Okay, cool, cool. So hormone control like through shots or something or um, yeah medications sometimes there's a hormonal imbalance in the brain that's causing this okay so theoretically those like treatments we were talking about earlier for erectile dysfunction could lead to an inability to orgasm because it's too tight your the the fibers are too tight or too wound up no, no, the opposite. The, the stronger your erection is, the easier it is to orgasm. Okay, got it, got it. Okay, because yeah, uh, I, I was like, you said too tight, and I'm just thinking, could it be like too hard? Could there be such a thing as a too hard of an erection that the that I can't come? Mm-mm. Okay, I mean, very rarely, but usually, the stronger the erection, the easier it is to orgasm. Okay, sounds good. I'm just gonna have to yeah. really do some more Kegel exercises and like weightlifting for my dick. Then <laughs> um, that's right. That's right. Good penile right? exercise. Oh, okay. So you can confirm this that Kegels and like those weightlifting with a towel is a good exercise to build up a stronger erection. I mean, there's there's people there's people who I mean Kegels. Listen, Kegels are good for pelvic health. They're they're good for orgasms. That's for sure because those are the muscles that are are you know. Um, being stimulated in order for an orgasm or or give you sensation pleasure. So by Kegels will help with, you know, it, it could help with giving you a stronger orgasm or pleasurable orgasm. But in terms of erections that, you know, it's, there's some, there's some studies that say yes, some that say no, it doesn't hurt you. I'll tell you that much. So <laughs> is it harmful to do it? No. As long as it doesn't hurt. I just want to be able to fuck until my deathbed, Dr. Justin. <laughs> uh, l- listen, and this, I mean, you will be able to. There's, like I said, there's there's so many ways. There's tons of options out there. Okay, great. Right. Awesome, because I literally just want to come and go. <laughs> Die by <laughs> orgasm, right? <laughs> um, now, earlier you did mention that part of your job in urology is uh, talking about fertility. I want to briefly touch on this um, because I'll never get pregnant. <laughs> um <laughs> But there are people that are going to listen to this and they're going to worry about shooting blanks. So is there, uh, what, what exactly is causing male infertility? Yeah, so the, there's, I guess there's a few things in simple terms. There's the, the, the way to break it down is anatomy. Um, some people anatomically, um, very you know rare, but some people are born without a vas deferens. The vas deferens is what connects the testicles to the, urethra into the outside world so some people you know they just don't have either one uh, vas deferens or both and you know when you ejaculate no sperm comes out um the other part of the anatomy is varicoceles so some guys varicoceles are essentially varicose veins of the testicles so the testicles like to live within a very tight temperature range and when the when, you know varicoceles blood pools around the testicles and it increases the temperature which could decrease sperm quality um sperm concentrations that's the anatomic issues. The other one, like erections, hormones are very important. So testosterone, making sure you have good intratesticular testosterone levels are good for sperm production and sperm um, health. 
Um, the other thing is lifestyle. This is a big one. This is a big one. So smoking, binge drinking, vaping, uh, marijuana smoking, saunas, jacuzzi, steam rooms, anything that increases testicular temperatures, that could definitely cause um, infertility or at least fertility issues. Um, and then lastly, genetics. You know, unfortunately, we're delta hands. Some people, their genetic makeup doesn't allow them to produce sperm. Now, as, as advanced as we are in medicine these days, there are probably hundreds, maybe thousands of genes that control male fertility. At this point, we only know four. At least we only know four that we're testing. So our genetic workup is, it's uh, its what we have. And uh, But there's definitely a genetic component to, to male infertility as well. So those are the four things. Right, right. And how do you normally like increase your sperm count then? Besides uh, change in lifestyle, yeah. So, so let's say you have a varicocele. There's there's a surgery. There's an outpatient surgery uh, under a microscope that we're able to help. What's called the varicocelectomy, where we're able to address that varicocele and basically block off those those um, those veins that are you know pooling around the testicle that therefore leading to increase or decrease testicular temperatures. So the, te- the, the sperm the sperm are healthier. If it's genetics, you know, the genetic workup is tough. A lot, mo- a lot of times we have to go back, you know, you know, a lot of times we actually have to go directly into the testicle and take sperm out or at least go looking for sperm. That's like the end of the, the end of the road. Um, that's the last resort. We actually have to go directly into the testicle to pull things out. Hormones, a lot of times you're able to just naturally stimulate testosterone production. But a big one for anybody who's interested in having kids, anybody, is just, you know, try to live a, live a good, clean quality of life. So I'm not saying don't drink at all, but you know, you know everything in moderation drink, everything in moderation but i mean with alcohol but like you know marijuana we do know marijuana causes issues cigarettes definitely vaping uh, and like i said sauna steam jacuzzis i can't tell you you know people are spending 15 minutes in the jacuzzi every day while they're trying to have a kid um you're not doing yourself any favors oh boy it's hot a good yoga thing. here here Ooh. in los angeles hot yoga is a big one everyone loves hot yoga that causes increased testicular temperatures damn Oh, shit. Well, it's a good thing I only come inside a guy's ass and there's no chance I'm going to get anyone pregnant. Thank God. Um, uh, so I wanted to cover very briefly. I know we're almost out of time, but do you watch out for a patient's prostates in your line of work as a urologist? Yeah. yeah. What are some of the things yeah. that we should be concerned about with prostate health? Yeah. So so two things. The prostate, um, this is a big component of what we do as urologists, but the prostate as we age, um, the two most common things that happen to it are either um, enlargement, so like benign, the benign growth of the prostate, or cancerous growth of the prostate, prostate cancer. Those are the two things. So as most guys, as we age, are you know we're gonna start waking up in the middle of the night to urinate. Um, our stream's gonna be weaker. You know we're gonna go to the bathroom more often in general, just because the the prostate's like a donut. Think of the middle of the donut as the channel which urine goes through. As we age, the prostate does a couple things: either the outside of the, the or the outside of the donut grows, the inside of the donut grows, or both. So, as you can imagine, if the inside of the donut is growing, that channel in order to excrete or to, to urinate, it's it's gonna it's, it's a little obstructed. So, with that, you're not able to empty the bladder as much or as well um, as we age. So there's a, because it's so common, we have so many options for it. Again, similar to erectile dysfunction. We have oral medications. We have office procedures. We have surgeries we have, that address this benign growth. Now, the, uh, the other one is prostate cancer. And 
Prostate cancer is, is a very common cancer. And you know the beauty of prostate cancer really is if you're diagnosed early or diagnosed, you know, basically, if you're, if you're screening for prostate cancer, if you're getting screened for prostate cancer annually, it's very, it's very hard to die of prostate cancer. Um, and the, the screening for it is it's a PSA test. It's a blood test that checks, you know, there's a prostate-specific antigen that's in our bloodstream. That's what PSA stands for. And it tracks, it gives us a sense of uh, what's going on in the prostate. And as that number rises, if it rises too fast or if it rises, if it stays elevated for a period of time, it gives, it gives us a sense that there may be something going on in terms of a cancer standpoint. We can get a prostate MRI in order to look inside the prostate and then potentially get a biopsy depending on that. But um, typically, you know, people, this is the thing to, if there's one message that we could take from this whole prostate cancer thing or prostate is if you have a family history of prostate cancer, a father, a brother, an uncle, um, you are at increased risk of prostate cancer. So generally, you know, if, and this is, you know, different, different bodies will tell you or different uh, medical associations will tell you different things. But if, if you have a family history of prostate cancer or you're, you know, people you know or people close in your family, male, like I said, fathers, uh, brothers, uncles that have prostate cancer, getting screened at the age of 40 is important. Just check a PSA at the age of 40 to see where you're at. And avoid having to go to the urologist and getting a finger inside of your ass. <laughs> that really <Yeah. laughs> embarrassing procedure. <laughs> yeah, some people use fingers. Some people use other fi- other fingers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hear that one joke about the guy who went to the urologist and was asking for a prostate exam. And then uh, the doctor shoves his finger inside. And then it's like, oh, it looks like you're good. Patient goes, uh, Doc, can you put two fingers in? It's like, what's wrong with one <sighs> finger? I kind of just want a second opinion. <laughs> no, I haven't heard that one, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm guessing the same uh, procedure or concerns will apply to, say, testicular health, with like you know worrying about testicular cancer. Same thing with prostate cancer. That at around the age of 40, that's when we should start going to see you. No, testicular cancer is usually it's testicular cancer has these two peaks. It's young. It's early in life, like you know, in your early 20s. Um, and then later in life, when you're like 65, so testicular, um, you know, self-check, if you're, if you're a guy in your late teens, early twenties, mid twenties, even into your late twenties, doing regular testicular exams while you're showering, it's very important. Just, you know, take a feel, take a feel, as long as it all feels the same consistency, soft, you don't feel any, um, hard areas. You don't feel any new areas of concern. You're good. I mean, you should be good, but, um, Self-exams are very important, but testicular cancer is not something in your 40s. Like I said, it's it's bipolar distribution. It's early on and then later on. Okay, so testicular cancer is early 20s to like uh, early 60s, whereas prostate, we should start getting je- getting that check within our 40s range. Yeah, yeah. So t- well, testicular, you, you peak. There's a peak in the 20s, and then there's a peak in the in the late six or the mid 60s. Okay. In between. The, the the incidence of testicular cancer when you're 30, 40, 50 is pretty low. Okay, good. So as a, a 20-something-year-old, I should be going to see Dr. Justin Human for, uh, you know, for my regular checkups. It's a men's health, yeah, men's health checkup, you know, for everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think our generation of guys were much more proactive um, than previous generations. We're much more involved in our being um, protective of our health and making sure that we're um, preventative, we're acting preventatively rather than uh, reactionary. So um, these are all important things, and I think it's very important for um, all pe- all guys who have these issues 
Um, and I always say this, you're not alone. If you're experiencing erectile dysfunction and infertility, you're not alone. I can't tell you how often it is that I see this every single day. Um, so if you are experiencing those issues, feel free to, to, to talk to anybody about it. Oh, I love that. You're, if you're having trouble getting it up or if you're having trouble with shooting blanks, you're not the only person. You're not that special. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, Dr. Justin Human, for all of your intelligence, all of your wisdom. And I just want to like give the listener something to take away. Any sort of parting words of wisdom? from to take away from this episode um yeah i mean that that last sentence uh, that i would say again i'll say i mean it's that what you know these issues i think they're we're we're, you know erectile dysfunction sexual dysfunction as a whole um and, and infertility these are things that are becoming we're seeing much more of it these days not because it's it's a product of modern society it's just it's a topic that people haven't talked about for for decades and Guys, younger guys are much more comfortable talking about it because there's doctors like myself, there's doctors, you know, there's sex therapists like Tim who are talking about these things, sex educators. Um, so it's it's just bringing everything to light. And so if you are experiencing this, these issues, be proactive, talk about it. You're not alone. You're not the only one. Not to make you feel not special, but um, a lot of people experience this. So feel free to reach out, and you could reach out to me. I'm, I'm based in Los Angeles. We could do. We could, uh, I mean, you can find me on social media, justin.human.md on Instagram, or you could just look up my name, justin.human, or excuse me, Justin Human on Google, H-O-U-M-A-N. Perfect. I will put all that in the show notes. You can expect to get a wave of uh, patients coming your way and uh, use discount code sexhead with Tim for... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, wow. So thank you so much, Dr. Justin Human, for everything on this episode. If you're listening and you've made it this far into this chaotic-ass recording, just make sure to get checked. Make sure to watch over yourself. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to jack off a little bit every now and then good for your genitals and with that listeners thank you so much for listening to another episode of the sex and with tim podcast make sure you rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and with that goodbye good night and i will see you at the next one bye Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah!